And just kind of to recap where we've been here, uh, we, we started off by saying uh, you have to understand first, if you're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, you have to understand first that it was, uh, it, you were created, you were fashioned in such a way that you would be filled by the Holy Spirit, right? You were, your structure, you were put together the way you were put together uh, by, the, by the plan of God so that uh, in union with Him, you might house the presence of Him and that be called the Spirit. We talked about how uh, God made uh, man from the dust of the ground, right? He forms him from the dust of the ground and he breathes life into his nostrils. That word breath in the Hebrews is spirit. So when Adam became alive, what, what, was, what was it that made him alive? It was the spirit in him that made him alive. And this, uh, this indwelling spirit of God was what allowed Adam to commune with God, right? Adam, had, uh, Adam and Eve have had perfect uh, relationship with God. And they ate of the tree of the knowledge uh, of good and evil. They ate that fruit. They disconnected from that source of life, which is the spirit. And they tried to connect into a source of life called the knowledge of good and evil. And it was a broken and busted system. And why? We, we all know that, right? We live in the, uh, the wake of that decision. And so we're born into dependence on ourselves for life. And so what are we? We're born dead, right? You with me? So we're born dead because we're born dependent on ourselves for life, and life can never be obtained from ourselves. It's like plugging a microwave into itself and trying to gain power, right? And I've told you that week now after week. We need an exterior source of life. Life can only come from the one in which uh, life is held, and that is God. And so he gives life by giving his spirit, and that is the only way. Uh, that we are made alive is to have the Spirit alive in us. And you go, wait a minute, you haven't said a word about Jesus. Well, this is where we understand uh, the uh, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus because what Jesus did on the cross is Jesus uh, made atonement, right? He was a, he's a Passover lamb. And we know uh, that the Passover, we talked about that last week. We know that in the Passover, what did God do? God provided a lamb and the blood of the lamb covered the doorposts. And, and if that blood was present, then death passed over. And it's by the blood of the Lamb uh, that forgiveness was made. That's what the law required, that, that blood be sacrificed for forgiveness of sin. And Jesus is that perfect, spotless Lamb uh, whose blood covers my sin. So how does that have anything to do with the Holy Spirit? Well, if I don't have that, uh, that sacrifice... If that, if that blood has not covered me, has not washed my sin, then I am not cleansed in such a way that would allow for the presence of the Holy Spirit to live in me. Jesus' work on the cross is really a, a preparatory work in that it, cl- it clears the deck for the presence of the Holy Spirit to now live in me and for me to be made alive in communion with God. Are you with me? So is the cross important? Absolutely is the blood of Jesus ab- uh, important? Yes, absolutely, but it is preparatory in that it allows for the presence of the Holy Spirit to live in me and allows me to have an uh, unbroken, think about this, unbroken and continual relationship with God. Well, there's, never a, there's never a place on the earth that you could go. David says it, man, where can I flee from your spirit? There is nowhere to go, and that's a beautiful thing for us who are his. There is nowhere we can go or be where he is not perfectly with us because he's in us. This is the glory of what what Jesus did on the cross as he made way for that to happen. Are you guys with me? Are we awake yet? So that's kind of where we left it uh, after that first week, that you were created to be indwelled. And then we moved into this discussion. But there's we've got to understand there's three types of people. And we journeyed last week through the Exodus. Right? 
uh, the wilderness. So the people of, uh, of Israel come out of Egypt, right? They cross the Red Sea. They go into the desert, and God's desire was to bring them into Canaan. And we looked at three different types of people. The Bible uh, specifically talks about three types of people. And we're going to start in 1 Corinthians just going back over that, and then we'll keep moving. Because this is kind of, kind of part two of that discussion. I feel like there were some things... Uh, that needed to be understood from that that we didn't get to go to. Uh, so we're going to do that this morning. So let's go to 1 Corinthians, and then as we always should do, let's just have a time where we pause and just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us because we need Him to. I hope you're not here for me uh, or your friend. Uh, and even if you are, it's cool. The Holy Spirit doesn't... He's, he's okay with talking to you even if you weren't expecting Him to, but... Uh, but let's just pause and recognize, man, there's nothing in this room that can bring life absent God. And he's given us his spirit to that end. And so we need to interact right now, you and me, like just as real as you could interact with the person next to you. We need to have interaction uh, with the Holy Spirit. We need to have him speak to us. We need to hear his voice. We need to know the truth of God and we need transformation. Would you agree? We're a people who need transformation. So we'll, let's just pause and just ask the Lord to bring that transformation within us. Is that cool? Just pause for a minute and then we'll get going. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would breathe on us now, that your truth would be made known. We know that the promise of Jesus is that you are only going to take from the Father and show that to us to make us like Christ. And so we just welcome you here. We trust you. We ask for you to speak truth to our hearts. God, I just ask uh, for, for each of us, God, that there would just be some vulnerability. That's a, that's a strange word and a scary word, really, for some of us. We've been uh, really guarded uh, vulnerability is a bad place to be, but, uh, but God, it is, it is perfectly right in front of the Father, in front of you, to be vulnerable, to be open to whatever you might have for us today. So I just, I just pray that that vulnerability might be in this room, that we might not come before each other, but come before you uh, and go, God, whatever you want to do in me, whatever you want to speak over me, whatever you want to take from me, and whatever you want to give to me, we trust you to do it. God, you see the hearts of all men, and I pray that there would be genuine hearts before you this morning, asking you to bring truth. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so here's the deal. You guys emptied my coffee back there. Like two carafes, you emptied it. So don't tell me you're not awake. Like, I know every one of you is lying, because <laughs> there's no coffee left, so you should be like responding like crazy, right? So I, I know you have no excuse. We'll bring the third carafe in and... Uh, and then it should be, like, real crazy in here. <laughs> oh, man. All right, so we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. So here's where we're going to see this designation of the three types of men. And we're going to need to understand that again before we press a little deeper into it. Because really the question is, uh, we're going to define these three types of men. But then we need to, uh, we need to press deeper. And really, you've got to ask the question. Because you need to answer this question before we leave. Which type are you? 
right? We kind of defined them last week. We're going to define them a little further. But we need to go, okay, which, which category do I fall in? And then how do I even know, uh, how do I know how to get there? So uh, that's what we're going to try to do uh, today. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, Paul's going to, he's going to start off and, uh, and talk about the natural man. So go to verse 14. He says, the natural person, that's our first type of man, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Well, I don't think I still have my, no, darn. All right, I know, I, whatever, get over it. Right? Every man is three parts, body, soul, spirit. This is physical, mind, will, and emotions. And this is the part of us that's spiritual. This is our inner man, right? This is, again, this group. All right, there we go. You guys good? Okay. So this is kind of our, uh, this is kind of our, our inner man, right? This is what connects us with God. This is what is dead in us, absent relationship with Jesus. If you have never repented and believed on Jesus, this is dead in you, and you have no relationship with God. You are, in fact, what the scripture would call an enemy of God. So not, you're not just like chilling away from him. You're not just kind of cool with him and deciding whether or not you're going to have a relationship with him at some point. If you have not repented and believed in Jesus, the Bible says that you are an enemy with God because you have said that you are God, right? You've declared self, you have put self on the throne and declared yourself as God, and that is an affront to God who is God and sits on the throne. You with me? So you then become his enemy. You are by nature his enemy. You are by nature, what the Bible would say, children of wrath, right? But check this out. In, in him, the blood of Jesus, this is restored in you. And you know, are no longer a self-centered being, but you are now spiritual because what is in you is the Holy Spirit. Book of Ezekiel tells us it's God's promise. He prophesies of the Spirit, and he says, a new spirit I'm going to give you, right? This old nature, Paul said it, the old man is gone, a new has come. Uh, The book of Ezekiel says, a new spirit I'm going to give you, and I'm going to put my spirit in you. It's his spirit in our spirit that gives life. You guys with me? This is all review. That's why I'm moving fast. So the first man, it says, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. They're folly to him. He is not able to understand them. So look, in in the natural man... If this is dead, right, if the spirit is dead in you, you are a natural man. The, the things of God are foolishness to you. The Bible also says that the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Why? Because it's a spiritual truth. And there's nothing in you that's spiritually alive. Therefore, you cannot understand it. You with me? This is the very first type of man. This is a natural man. This is the man in slavery to self, right? All you're able to do as a natural man is is be self-centered and self-focused to where even the things that you think you're doing on behalf of somebody else, really, at the root of it, it's selfishness. It's always about you. And all you can do is react to the world around you. You are a product of your environment. Your circumstances shape you, and that's just who you are. That is the devastating story of the natural man. That's the devastating nature of sin. It only produces death, and at its root is selfishness. And this is the natural man that Paul is talking about. You guys with me understand the natural man. He says the spiritual person in verse 15 judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? And then he says this, but we have the mind of whom? Christ. 
right? So this second category is kind of the, is, well, it is, it's the very opposite of the first category, right? So there's the natural man, and then he says what is the spiritual man. He is able to understand. He is able to discern and judge all things. Why is this? Because the Spirit of God is in him. He has relationship and communion with God, and he's able to understand those things which are spiritual, right? Right? Because he's been made alive in the Spirit. This is no longer dead. But in 1 Corinthians, Paul's really, uh, he's got a different issue. He's, he defines both of these. And we talked about last week, the spiritual man. See, this is Canaan. This is, li- this is where God intended for the people of Israel to go. He brought them out uh, of the land of Egypt. And where were they going? Where did he tell them? Let me tell you about this beautiful wilderness, right, where, where it's going to be dusty and dry and there's no food. No, that's not what he said. He said, I prepared a land for you, a, a land of blessing, a land that you would not even be able to say that you had any part in creating. I'm going to do it all, right? And I'm going to bring you into this land of blessing. The fullness of God is going to be in this land. That's where God said, Moses, that's where I'm taking my people. That's Canaan. This is to be uh, alive in the Spirit, right? This is where we are intended to be, to have the fullness of the Spirit working in us. This is Canaan. We have misrepresented Canaan when we've called it heaven. It is not heaven later. It is heaven now. It is the full experience of communion with God right now as He lives in us. That's why He brought them out of slavery. Are you with me? But they had a period in the wilderness, and this is where we're going to find our third man. And we're going we're gonna to define him again a little bit, but then we're going to figure out, man, you've got to answer the question, which are you? Are you natural? And if you are, a lot of this conversation isn't going to make sense to you, but what happens in the natural man is the Spirit of God moves on you and you recognize your sin and death, right? It's by act of the Holy Spirit that comes and says, man, you are dead. And what do dead people need? Life. And life is in Jesus. And so if, if you're in here and, and you are that natural man with no life, no connection with the Father, then what you need is salvation. And it's simple. It's repent and believe. Repent of this old selfish man that can only serve himself. Repent means to turn, turn from it and believe. Believe on what? Believe on Jesus because he's the only one who can rescue you from that pit of selfishness. He's the only one that can restore you from being an enemy to God to being a son and a friend. And he's the only one that can give you the Holy Spirit, right? That's the truth of the scripture. So the third man here, the carnal man, is what we're about to, about to look at. In chapter 3, look at, look at what Paul says. He says, but I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people. So he says, man, it, there, there's the natural man, and he doesn't even understand the things of God. And then there's a spiritual man, but he says, but listen, I can't address you as spiritual people. And he says, why? He says, but, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ, anytime you see the word flesh in the Bible, now the English language does a, it's a little bit tricky because uh, you have to just know context. Sometimes when the Bible says flesh, it's talking about your actual physical flesh, right? Denoting just this body portion. But most of the time, when you see that English word flesh in the scriptures, most of the time, uh, especially with Paul, what he's talking about is the combination of your body and your soul. And I'm just going to write it up here. Some of you, this may be the first time, but wow, I doubt it because I write it all the time. Now, this is only your first time if it's your first time here. So, 
right? So our soul is our mind, will, and emotions. Our body is our physical being. And so when the Bible refers to flesh, it's talking about the combination of those two things, right? You, you maybe start, now you're starting, uh, scriptures maybe starting to pop in your mind. Uh, the spirit is set against the flesh and the flesh is, is set against the spirit, right? This is talking about uh, the conflict between these two. And Paul tells them, he says, listen, uh, that I couldn't address you as spiritual people. I couldn't address you with, with wisdom and knowledge and understanding of the Spirit. He said, uh, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Man, one of my pet peeves is when, and I think it's just because the platform that I hold, but I hear a lot of times, man, people complaining about pastors and teachers. And look, I'll be the first one to admit, just kind of from the group, that there's a lot of shallow teaching in the Western church. Man, it just is, and I'm sorry for that. It's, it's, there's no excuse for that. There is a lot of it, and I'm sorry for that. But I hear all the time, like, I wish this guy would just feed us uh, meat, right? I'm tired of milk. You guys ever heard that? Like, that's, I don't know, it's Christianese a little bit. But, uh, you know, I wish he would just, man, I just wish he would feed us meat. And though that may be true in a lot of areas, we have to check ourselves because some of you are not able to receive it. Some of you, if I spoke meat, some of you would not be able to receive it because all you're doing is being in the flesh and you cannot understand or discern things which are spiritual. There's no depth allowed in you because you're maintaining your relationship in the flesh, right? You with me? Some of you, before you speak that word, before you say, man, I wish it would just be meat, some of you go, can I handle that? Can I receive that? Am I walking in the Spirit in such a way that when spiritual things are spoken about, I can receive them, hold them to where they bear fruit? You with me? So he says that I, couldn't, I could not feed you meat. I fed you milk, not solid food, if you were not ready for it. And then listen, watch what he says about them. He says, and even now, you're not ready. For you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? Come on, listen to this. For you not in the flesh and still behaving in a human way. He says, you are spiritual people acting like uh, natural people. See, when he says only in a human way, he's saying, he's saying, though the Spirit of God is alive in you, though you are believers, you are still acting as if this is the only thing that is alive in you. And I want to just tell you, this is the problem in the church, right next to people who think they're believers and, and not believers, right? That's a big one, and I've harped on that uh, a lot, and I'm not going to go into that now. I think that's a huge problem. The next problem is this one, is the mass amounts of carnal Christianity at play in the Western church. Look, it's, it's partly, it's a product of our culture and our environment. How badly do we need the Holy Spirit? Uh, I, I think for a lot of us, the answer would be, well, not really. I'm doing pretty good on my own. I can make a living on my own. I can get an education. I can create a, a structure for my family. I can do this, this, and this, and this on my own, Right? There's not a tremendous amount of, uh, of persecution here. And so even in our Christian lives, most of what we do is based on our flesh. How many mission trips have you gone on that that's where it started? Well, I don't know. I think this would be a good idea. What do you think? Well, I think this would be a good idea. Well, okay, let's go there because they need this. And I think that's the biggest need. This is all flesh. You with me? And if the Holy Spirit were to leave our church at once, the question would be how many of us would even notice? 
And this is, this is the accountability that Paul is bringing the Corinthian church to. He's saying, listen to me. Even now, when I come to you, this is, I still see strife, jealousy. I still see you operating as if you are human. And that's a strange thing for him to say, right? As if you are human. But you've got to understand, you're an eternal being. Paul says, you're, you're operating as if you're stuck to the earth, as if somehow the, the, the ways of the world are still, still governing you. Have you not heard that you've been rescued from a domain of darkness and pushed into the kingdom of the beloved son where you have redemption, the forgiveness of sin? Have you not heard this good news? You don't belong on the earth anymore. You're not to be a product of this environment. You're to be a product of that environment, a product of the environment of the kingdom of heaven where spiritual things are revealed to you and understood and you are transformed in that way. You with me? Paul says, man, I can't even, <laughs> I can't even give you spiritual things because you don't operate in the spirit. You're infants in Christ. Grow up. And I think that's a word that I certainly have had to hear. But I think we, as a corporate body, need to hear. It's time to grow up. It's time for our relationship with the Lord to cease to be uh, maintained in our natural man, Right? in our flesh, it's time to begin to operate in the Spirit. Paul pushes us to this, man. He says, walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Right? You with me, Nod, if you're with me? Walk in the Spirit, and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. Why is that? Because, man, as we walk in the Spirit in communion with God, then we're not, we're not going to allow our flesh to lead us. Most of us, that's not the way it goes. So uh, I'm going to stop there and then, and then begin to ask you, how, where are you at? I mean, because really that's what we have to answer this morning. Are you natural, are you carnal, or are you spiritual? Um, and I, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would bring us to a place where this is a room full of spiritual people. Even if you're in here and you go, I don't even know Jesus, man, my prayer for you is that tomorrow you might be spiritual. That in the next hour, you might be spiritual. You might be purchased by the blood of the Lamb and then immediately walk away from your flesh. Don't do what many of us have done and become a Christian and then live in our flesh for a number of years until the Holy Spirit has to rip us out of it. Man, just say right now. If you're ready to have a relationship with Jesus, you repent and believe, just say right now. It's immediately after that happens, say to the Holy Spirit, and you can have my life. Lead me in whatever way you want. Man, you'll save yourself a lot of heartache down the road, right? Speaking from someone that had to go backwards, you will save yourself a lot of heartache. Speaking from someone that had to live a tremendous amount of my Christian life absent the Holy Spirit, and then turn around and go, whoa, this thing's got no power, no authority, but that's what this book says it should have. What's going on? The Lord said, you're carnal, right? Just telling you, I've walked that road. So uh, the spiritual man, um, remember, is uh, a life lived by faith, Right? A life lived by faith. Faith is not something, we got to get out of this mode. Faith is not something that occurs once when you become a Christian. Listen to me. It does not occur once when you become a Christian. Faith is the way in which the believer should naturally operate. Because faith is, as Hebrews 11 tells us, it's the evidence of things unseen, right? It's, faith is the reality of living my life in a, in a different realm. Living my life based on the kingdom of heaven and not based on the earth. 
Faith accesses that which is of the kingdom of heaven and makes it a reality on the earth. That's what faith is. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ, right? So faith isn't whimsical. Like faith comes when we hear the Lord say, this is who I am, what I am. And that word transforms the reality that we're in. That's what faith is. And yes, you were saved and faith was an operator within your salvation, but it's not to stop there. See, the spiritual man continually operates in faith, saying, I can do nothing of myself. I can do nothing on my own. It all must be you uh, and relying completely on the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, which is in me to walk my life, walk my Christian life of perfection and of holiness and of righteousness and of power and authority. That is faith. And I had a glove up here and I said, man, a glove, uh, a well-instructed glove can do nothing, right? We had my, you remember I had my little glove up here and I said, man, we could teach this glove how to, uh, how to hold a Bible, how to write, how to, uh, I don't know, throw a ball, whatever. We could instruct that glove well, but it could do nothing of itself, right? What had to happen first? My hand had to go into the glove, Right? And once my hand goes in the glove, now that glove is perfectly able to do all that we've asked it to do. And this is the reality of the spiritual man. The spiritual man understands that I'm simply a shell. I am, I am simply a shell, but within this shell is the hand, right? And the hand is the presence of God, right? So by faith, I'm going to rely on that presence of God in me to do all that he's called me to do. I understand that I can do nothing which I've been instructed That's a powerful step for you to make in your Christian life. Read this book. Read what this Bible says that is required of believers. Jesus said, you've got to be like me. You've got to do greater things than I'm going to do. You've got to be holy and you've got to be perfect. Quit making the bar lower. That's what Jesus said that you should be. Because the intent was that that bar, that high bar of perfection and holiness would make us go, we can't do that. This shell, this glove cannot be holy, cannot be perfect, cannot be righteous. It cannot happen. i got to have something else. There's got to be an active agent within my life that produces this because I can't do it. Enter the Holy Spirit. And faith relies completely on the Holy Spirit to be who we've been called to be. You guys with me right now? Because we're gonna, now we're going to press. Now you got to know which one you are. So that's a... That's a tough question to answer. I drew this out last week and didn't really, didn't really come to it. Uh, but I'll, I'll show you this uh, now. This will help you determine, uh, and I'll, I'll move it. Just let me explain it real fast. Uh, this is difficult. We've got to get a better way to do this because no one can see. So, <laughs> uh, I've got na- uh, natural, spiritual, and carnal in here. I'll just go through these. But the, so how do I know where I am? Well, you know where you are based on what is the dominating factor of your life. That's the simplicity of it. You know where you are based on the dominating factor of your life. If you were to line up uh, in, in, a, in a given 24-hour period, if you were to line up the actions of your day and you were to rate every single action as either flesh-inspired or spirit-inspired, whichever one dominates is where you're at, Right? Right? This is a process of, of maturing. This is a process of the Holy Spirit making us like Christ. It's a process. So you, you're not like, to be spiritual is not to be solid spirit-led, right? It's the, that's the design. That's the goal. That's where we're going. That's where we're, that's where we're pressing. But, uh, but here's the difference. So the carnal man, I'm sorry. So the natural man, this is the throne. Didn't you like that? That's a really nice throne. That's the throne. And who's sitting on the throne? That's an S. Who's sitting on the throne of your life? Self. This is the carnal man. 
And the only thing the carnal man is capable of is actions inspired by the flesh. So the dominating action of your life is flesh. It's the only action of your life, right? So if you are sitting on the throne of your life, if you are God in your world and all you produce is self and flesh, check it because even though you might go, yeah, I'm a believer, man, check it because that is tremendous evidence, tremendous evidence that you are on the throne and that there has never been, never been a moment where you have dethroned yourself and, the, uh, and Christ has moved on the throne. So we'll move on. So the spirit man, the spiritual man is who's C on the throne? Christ is on the throne. The spiritual man, Christ is absolutely on the throne of his life. He has recognized I am not God. I have bowed to, uh, to God. The blood of Jesus has washed me, covered me. And here's the deal. Look, so these are just designations of action. They're mostly Holy Spirit. There's a flesh one in there, right? Because I'm, I'm not saying that to be a spiritual man has to be all Holy Spirit, right? You with me? That's not an excuse. Paul would say, so because grace abounds, should sin abound more? Absolutely not. We hate this right here. And we hate it so much that the moment that it happens and it's revealed to us by the Spirit, we go directly to repentance and ask God that it would never happen again, right? You with me? That's the spiritual man. One of, the, one of the ways you know you can test between spiritual and carnal is in these flesh moments, how bad do you hate them? Because the spiritual man hates them. The carnal man's okay with it. The carnal man, it is part of the pattern of his day, and it doesn't bother him that much. So here's the carnal man. The carnal man, and this is, listen, I'm telling you, this is a lot of us, and don't be ashamed if it's you, but let's change it. The carnal man, can you guys, Sorry. The carnal man has Christ sitting on the throne. The carnal man has at some point made a confession of Jesus as Lord, and it is real. It is absolutely real, and I would not diminish that for a minute, but for whatever reason, the product of submitting them, their lives to the enemy or to circumstances or whatever that might be, the product of their life, the main product of their life is flesh. Most of their Christian life is based on thinking and feeling. Not if you're with me. Those are the main actions of our flesh. We do based on what we think and feel, right? When you're in the spirit, when you're walking as a spiritual man, you do what you see and what you hear, right? Jesus said, I only do what I see my father do. I only say what I hear my father say. He said of the Holy Spirit, he's only gonna say what he hears from heaven and then brings to you. He's gonna remind me about you. So the spiritual man sees and hears, right? The carnal man thinks and feels, if most of your action is prompted by what you think and feel, then most of your action is probably in the flesh. And here's the news. Here's the news. Sometimes there's Holy Spirit moments, right? And that's why this is, this is a lot of us. Like we go back to moments and we go, man, but I remember that time when that was absolutely not me. Like that, that couldn't have been me in that situation. I remember that time that the Holy Spirit spoke and I was obedient and this uh, unbelievable thing happened, right? And many of us, even though we're carnal, we have those moments and that's what's confusing, and the trick of the enemy is this, that that's all it's ever supposed to be. Listen, if you've lived carnal long enough, then the enemy has probably convinced you that that's all the spiritual life is, is random moments of spirit-prompted action. And the rest just kind of floating along and making it, right? And here's the danger of this. It becomes accepted as normal. 
The danger of carnal Christianity is that it becomes the normal. And that, and that when I say, okay, out of 10 actions, out of 10 moments of my day, only two are prompted by the Holy Spirit, that's a good day. And we begin to compromise. We begin to agree with our flesh that the flesh can dominate most of our, most of our time, most of our day, most of our relationships. We begin to agree with the flesh in such a way that it now has a predominant role. And though we still experience the Holy Spirit uh, a little bit, we think that's all and we don't push for more, right? You guys with me? This is a dangerous, dangerous trap. And where uh, culture, culture is created by a bunch of individuals agreeing with the same thing. You guys with me? I mean, awful things have happened and it's become culture and it's because a bunch of individuals agree to the same thing, right? The danger of carnal Christianity is when it becomes a culture. If you've got yourself surrounded with people in a place where it's all carnal, what is drawing you out? What is setting a different standard in your life? What is pushing you? That's why when I tell you, man, if you're going to go get a mentor in your life, you better get somebody who is not going to just agree with you. You're going to go have somebody invest in your life. You better have somebody that's going to, that's going to challenge you and push you to things that you might get mad about them pushing you with. But you, you, need to be, you need to be pushed because culture is created where like-minded people stay together. And I think what's happened within churches is that we've all been carnal just long enough that we've made it a culture. You with me? And so now what we're seeing happen corporately, we all get mad about it. Like, how many of us are really actually mad about the state of the Western church, right? Most of us. I've heard you guys complain about that a lot. But let me just tell you, it's because, it's because we have all agreed to be carnal. It's nothing that the platform did, though the platform has been involved. It's nothing that the platform did. It's just what the platform agreed with. We have agreed to be carnal. And if we would agree not to be carnal, if we would press in, if we would say my life is not to be carnal, that my life is to be dominated by the action of the Holy Spirit, if we would drive deeper with the Holy Spirit and go, I will not do anything that you have not prompted and stirred me to do. I will not walk by sight. I will only walk by faith. If we would do that, then the culture would change. If you would do that, look at, look at the size of this room. If you would do that, then the culture would change. It's only a culture because we've agreed to stay in it. And what I want you to do is identify, man, today, where are you at? Because here's how the Holy Spirit works. And let me just encourage you with this and I'll be done. If, if you would say, man, I'm carnal, I, I don't want, there's, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. It is good to know where you're at. If this is where you're at, I want to tell you how you get out. Because I don't want, we don't, we can't just stay here. Getting out is going to be first, and I told you this on Tuesday, you've got to, if you're going to get out, you've got to trust the Holy Spirit. There is no other way out. Can I just tell you that? I'm going to tell you what he's going to do and how he's going to process you out of it, but you will go nowhere unless you trust him. You will go nowhere. There is no other way to be spiritual except to be led by the Spirit. I can't, I can't make an easier way, right? There, there is no other. You can't read your Bible more and be spiritual. Sorry. You can't come to church more and be spiritual. You can't be more involved and be spiritual. You can't, it can't happen. The only way this happens is if you give yourself to the Holy Spirit and trust him. 
Because here's what he's going to do. And we just need to go through this. I read this at 24-7. His goal in you, know this, that all of the action of the Holy Spirit over you is for one product. If you're a Christian, well, if, it's one product. He wants to make you like Christ. That's his goal. That is his goal, but he is a gentleman and he will only, he will only push as far as you allow him to push. He will not just make you like Christ with all your resistance, right? You have to agree with him. But his goal is to make you like Christ. So know this, that at the moment that you go, okay, Holy Spirit, whatever you want to do in me, know that whatever comes next, if he removes something from your life, know this, it's to make you like Christ. If you, get, if you say, Holy Spirit, you can have all of me, and he says, get out of this relationship, know this, that it's to make you like Christ. But it's to refine something in you. It's to take something away. It's to add something to. But all of it being the goal of making you like Christ. And how is he going to do it? In John chapter 16, I want you to see this with your eyes. How does he do it? Because this is where we've, we've departed. We've gone, okay, well, Holy Spirit, I don't know if I trust him, whatever. This is how he is going to do what he said he was going to do. In John chapter 16, verse 12. It says, I still have many things to say to you. This is Jesus speaking, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, listen to what he's going to do. He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All the Father has is mine, therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Here's how it happens. This is called sanctification. That's a Christianese word. It may, it's the, it's the uh, word that describes you becoming like Christ. And here's how it happens. It happens as the Spirit of God takes what is of heaven, what is of the Father, what is of Jesus, what is the truth, and makes it known to you and shines a light in places that do not line up so that those places might be transformed and then align with the truth of God. You with me? That's how he does it. He doesn't do it by his own initiative. He doesn't do it uh, by, by, his, by his own radical way of thinking. He does it by listening to the Father. You know, we, I had Clay up here earlier. He does it by listening to the Father. God, what does Clay need? What in him does not line up with Jesus? What thought process is not in the mind of Christ? What, what in him is not like Jesus? And the Lord's saying, this is what it is. And the Holy Spirit coming and illuminating truth to clay that he might know what does not line up so that it might be transformed and now line up. You with me? It's simple. It's simple. For many of us, this starts in our thought processes. For many of us, this starts in a place of identity. Where God first says, man, you can't minister to the world around you until you know who you are. Let me begin to speak with you about who you are. Because who you think you are is based on what you believe the earth has said about you. And i got to tell you something completely different. i got to begin by telling you who you are. Because who you are was in the kingdom of heaven, is in the kingdom of heaven. The truth of who you are is in Christ. And I need you to know that because you're not living like that right now. It'll happen internally. It'll happen as you press this word. Romans 12.2 says that you will be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's how it occurs. The truth of God comes, renews your mind. It brings it into conformity with the kingdom of heaven to where you begin to think, feel, understand all of it 
like Christ. You with me? This is the goal. But it's only done by the Holy Spirit according to the perfect will of God. And let me just tell you, he's not going to do it how you want him to do it. Can you just receive that? So many of us cry out for sanctification, but if God doesn't do it the way we want to do it, we say no at the very beginning. Most of us never get started because he doesn't start where you want to start. You with me? You want to start where it's comfortable. Your flesh wants to start where you believe you need to start. And, the God, and God is going, nope, I know exactly where to start. Why? Because I know all things, right? And I know the depths of your heart. I know things about you that you don't even know. I know where that thought came from. I know it came from this place in your heart that you didn't even know existed. You just live in this thought. But I need to change that piece of your heart. But most of us never get sanctified because we never allow God to start where he wants to start. It's always on our terms. Think about a house and I, I got, in Missouri, I, I'm not, look, I'm not a construction guru, whatever, but I got brought into this electrical world. I got shocked a bunch. Um, <laughs> but, but I got brought into this electrical world, and we were kind of working with a team of guys. I was working with an electrician, and we were working with a team of guys that didn't really know uh, order-specific, like what, in what order things are built. So they would constantly be calling us in, okay, we're ready, for, uh, we're ready for fixtures here, we're ready for this room to be wired, we're ready for this to happen, and, and, and there would not be things in place that needed to be in place in order for those things to occur, right? Uh, an example, like you, if you build a, a two-by-four wood-framed house, you've got to drill holes for the electrician to run wire through. Like They wouldn't have done that stuff. So our time, our time was just so wasted because the, uh, the order of operations was not honored. Right? And I'm not saying like I was an expert, I'm just, but look, you don't know how to build this house. You cannot, you cannot build yourself into the image of Christ. You cannot do it. You can't within your own reason figure out what you need to do with you next, right? Relying on you is what you got, in you, it got you in this place in the first place, right? Us relying on the knowledge of good and evil and then figuring it out from that is what got us death for all people, right? Let's not do it based on those things anymore. So we've got to rely on the one who is the master builder, who knows the thoughts, heart, and intention of God, and that is the spirit of God. And so if we're going to be sanctified, we have to first say, I trust you, and I give myself to you, and I refuse to go in any order that is not your order. You can change and shape things in me as you see fit. And I know this. Here's the promise. And let me just tell you, this is the best part. That when you stand in that position before God, that no matter what comes to you, listen to this, it is full of his goodness. That's a hard thing for some of us to breathe in because some of the first moments of sanctification, some of the, and even for us that have been in it for a while, some moments in sanctification are hard. Jesus said, if you're bearing fruit, I'm going to prune you. How many of you think that feels good? Right? Well, the purpose is so that you bear more fruit, but sanctification is hard. Some of us check out when that first hard moment comes. Some of us check out when God said, when the Spirit says, okay, now I want you to go share this with your brothers. Go share this weak area with your brothers. And we go, no, that's hard. I'm out. Or when an unexpected situation in our lives comes, look, sometimes we go, man, if that's how you want to sanctify me, I'm not down for that. I'll figure this out on my own. But can I just tell you that in Christ, nothing can come to you that is not good. Nothing can come to you that is not good for the purpose of goodness. Why? Because all things that come to you has ha have, have to have first come through our Father. And he is nothing but good. Can you nod?
Like we need to, we need to get that. If I, so much of our lives would change if we believed that God was actually as good as he says he is. So I pray that that's the revelation in our heart this morning, God, that we would know that you are good and that we would just give ourselves to you. Spirit, we just ask, we cry out. I know I do, and I pray that there are others in the room that would join me, that we just cry out for transformation. I do not want to be the same today as I was yesterday, and I don't want to be the same tomorrow as I am today. Anything in me that you want to take, have it. And anything in me that that you want to add, I receive it, because I know it is from your goodness. And I refuse to allow my flesh to dictate how I live my life. And I just ask you, Holy Spirit, to lead me. In Jesus' name, amen.